everybody. This is Chance Gilliam welcoming you to the Chance by Chance podcast. Today's guest on the show is a writer, a traveler, and a professor of English composition and literature at De Anza College in California. One brief note about the episode, it was recorded in a public venue, so there's a bit of background noise, but if you care to, just picture yourself in a cozy coffee shop on a cold Minnesotan morning, and please welcome to the show, Julie Pisano. Okay, Julie, there was a sweet bit of synchronicity preceding this today. Um, I'm looking at the Creative Spark here by Michael Shapiro, who's, um, when, I, when I emailed you, you said you had just gone to his book launch, and I had asked you to, to come on the podcast and talk about uh, creativity, and these ideas were already present in your mind. Um, so we, we've just been talking for a few minutes, and uh, oh, you got another one there, Creative Spark. Um, what, what is the deal with these two books that I'm looking at here? Tara Lieber and Michael Shapiro and uh, like a yeah. bit about the event and, and your interaction with them. Yeah, well thank you for bringing up Synchronicity. Um, it's funny, I also went to a uh, book talk about um, Synchronicity called Living in the Flow by Sky Nelson. And um, he talks about some of the ways that it's not just coincidence that we're having synchronicity all the time and the way to get to synchronicity is through intention. So if you just have intention about things, you don't need to know how things are going to happen. Who, who would have known you'd email me out of the blue after not seeing each other since last summer and say, let's talk about creativity after I had just been talking about this all week long. Like if that's your focus, then you'll draw more things to you. So anyway. Go read that book too. It's fantastic. And and not only that, but the fact that I had asked you because you're on the West Coast to do this over right. the phone, and you are in Minnesota. Totally, <laughs> I happen to be coming to St. Paul. Yeah, and I come once a year for like two days to visit my sister. It was yeah. perfect timing. Yes, I know the whole thing just sounded too like this is this is again synchronistic. Yeah. So um, so yeah, this book was an interesting interview of, gosh, you know, some of the most renowned authors, interviewers, musicians about creativity and what is the creative process, what generates creativity, each person's kind of, um, you know, the, the actual literal take on how you actually manifest and produce something, but also some of the interesting psycho-spiritual parts of creativity as well like how do we get into that flow which I guess is partially synchronicity too like living in this flow where things are just happening um, and as a writer and teaching writing as well and always trying to tap into what is that flow space of trying to uh, come up with feeling like you're not forcing and it's not necessarily coming from you but there's a kind of an absolute channeling like you just are have you heard of um the two kinds of greek time so there's there's chronos time according to the greeks and that's very kind of man-made sequential linear time okay but they also have kairos k-i-i-r-o-s that's kind of sacred time and that's in that flow space where it's all all time past present future is all now and that's the space you get into in a, as a musician, as an artist, as a writer. And once you're in that space, time just goes by so quickly. You don't notice time. It's not really part of your existence. And your, the creativity just kind of flows out of you. And there's no trying. It's just easy. So 
thinking about some of these concepts um, over the past however many weeks, um, what what has come up in your mind about your own creative process these days and how you get into that state for yourself? I know. Or, uh, like, detractions from it. Yeah. I think that's why I'm so fascinated by it because we all... Okay, I'm just speaking for myself. I hit block after block. I mean, I was literally, a couple of weeks ago, hitting my head physically with my hand saying, work. <laughs> like, I was just trying to force it. I mean, and not, not to mention, I'm hitting my head thinking that's where it's coming from. Hmm. And I also think that it's more than your head. It's more than your brain. It's more than just my left brain. I've got to get into some kind of heart space about it or some gut space or some feeling space about it much more than just thinking. And so um, I don't think I found the answer. <laughs> so I'm always looking for other people's philosophy on this. But there's something about having uh, a, a practice where you can kind of get into the flow space before you start the creative process, before you start writing. So whether that's, for me anyway, is getting in my body versus my head. So going for a hike in nature or something like that or meditating or... Um, doing things, having a great generative conversation, I think that's also not necessarily in my head as much as it's a full body experience. Hmm. Or I just think of, um, I'm just remembering you playing uh, our at the end of our student readings in Paris last summer, and I would watch you perform on the piano, on the guitar, and I remember at the end I would say, oh my god, Janet, you perform like full body experience, like it's gymnastic. <laughs> like it's not coming just from your head, like it's coming from your whole soul. You gotta like, feel you it. Feel it. Yeah. So I feel like that's what a great artist does. They're tapping into something that's bigger than them, that's not just in this tiny little brain. Right? And I don't, I'm still trying to figure out what that is. What, what do you call it? Kind of a, a collective, a source, a channeling, and then intuition. But you have to, I think you have to implement all that stuff. That yeah. It's not just coming from this kind of like small me. There's a bigger me and a bigger it that's happening. Did you always want to be a writer? Or was there a, a time in your childhood or adolescence when you saw yourself doing anything else? I wanted to be a rockette. <laughs> that was my first. <laughs> my first love was dancing, and honestly, I think that's something of the artist, right? Is I still wanted to um, perform or be um, physical with the music and get into that kind of flow space. And then, you know, and then I was I wanted to be a nutrition major because I think I was so wanting to tap into what it felt like to be in sync with my body and felt. Like, I think that's another thing. I feel like if I can um, really have a peak, um, I almost feel like my body's a bit of a barometer, a bit of a channel. And if I can keep that at a peak level, then I can create better. Yeah. And so um, so that's why, you know, exercising feels good and I have just this more flow that's kind of moving through it or if I'm eating well or if I'm... So I started off as a nutrition major took organic chem, failed it miserably, so decided to go into English. And so, and I've always loved writing. And then, um, you know, I, I just took writing class after writing class, and everybody said, do you want to teach? you want to teach? I said, no, I'm, I'm not a stand-up in front of a class, I'm not a performer. 
And then I just thought, you know, I just have to reinvent it. It's just, I'm just sitting in a room. I'm on the other side of the room, but I'm sitting in a room and talking about books. And it's the same thing as being in class. And you're just in class for the rest of your life. So, yeah, I did want to, I did want to talk about books. And honestly, I think I took a hiatus from writing for a really long time until 2013 when I decided to um, do a blog. I was in Oxford taking a class on a sabbatical project and I was doing a literary tour of England. And so I would run around all the cities and write about it and post it on this blog. And I had so much fun and I was like, oh my God, there I am, there's my voice. Like it felt like I had been dormant for so many years. Um, and so it was such a sense of coming home to myself that from then, you know, to now, I've really kind of been more active about keeping it going. What year did you say that that was? 2013. 2013? Okay. And uh, the literary tours, like, how, how did that come about? It was a sabbatical project that was actually suggested, so I... You know, we do a professional development leave and we do some kind of professional growth. So I was taking a class and I decided, wow, well, I'm going to go to Oxford. I studied in Cambridge in undergrad and I've always loved studying abroad. That's, you know, hands down, if I could do anything for the rest of my life, I would study abroad or teach abroad. And, um, and so I thought, I'm going to go to Oxford for the semester and go take a class. And they said, well, the units aren't enough. You've got to do one more project. How about you write about some of the literary scene in England? And I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. So it was so fun. I um, was just there for two months and I would write about, you know, Canterbury, Tasha's Canterbury. I'd write about Jane Austen's Bath. I'd write about uh, Shakespeare Stratford go to all these places, write about the space, but in the lens of someone who was a book lover and wanted to research these authors. And it was so fun. So from then, I've written uh, literary tours of Northern California, because that's where I'm from, so I can, you know, talk about Jack London and, and the Beat Poets and some of the authors there. And then now I'm working on literary tour of Paris, so I'm almost done. I'm, I'm on my sixth uh, piece. My last one is Literary Cafes. But uh, yeah, it's it's a nice avenue into, well, I guess there's layers of it. It's an avenue into the city, and then it's an avenue through a specific lens into the city that's about the author or the, the literary scene. And then it always ends up turning into an avenue into myself, which I guess is all writing, right? I mean, that's the psychology part that you're probably interested in is that ultimately we're reading ourselves and we're writing ourselves when we, when we interact with literature and so there's always a little piece of me that comes out through these tours it's, it says something about what I've found about these authors that kind of teach me something about my life and my experience there mm. yeah it's been so fun it's and, and unexpected I think that's the thing you have the intention like the synchronicity you have an intention for something and then something beyond it comes about that you didn't even know could happen and that's the fun part about writing I think. You mentioned Jack London in there um, 
And I I saw on your website that you won a prize this yeah, past August. Yeah. Was that that piece that you you shared in Paris that Jack London piece? No. That was I a different. I didn't share that. Okay. One with you guys. I think I shared it with the fellows. It was um, I was in Oxford doing this literary tour, and by December I got pneumonia. Oh. <laughs> I know. Funny now, and it won me a trip to Mexico because the prize was pretty awesome. Yeah. But um, I was the closest I've ever been to death in a, 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 a dorm room in Oxford when I, I didn't know anybody in the entire country, and I'm just like, I'm gonna die here. This is how it. This is how it happens. This is how I go out. So I wrote about my two months of doing this literary tour and then getting sick and. It, again, it turned out to be much more about the psychology of illness and the psychology of loneliness in a space when you feel like you just are absolutely dependent and you know you have no one around and you've got to rely on yourself. And so that was ultimately what I found was this bigger me that was able to somehow survive this. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you take that trip to Mexico yet? Or is that still upcoming? January. January. So, okay, so here's the deal. It's a trip to Mexico, but it's right in the middle of my teaching quarter. So I can't go. I can't just cancel a class for an entire week. So I'm going to try to do it the following year and see if, like, the schedule matches up a little bit. They're fantastic. Deep travel is like, oh, yeah, you can, you can do it when, when it works for you. So sure. Hopefully they don't just stop doing it all together. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, but that's Tim Cahill um, organizes that trip to Mexico. He's the founder of Outside Magazine, and you know, you go and you're on the beach and you're talking about writing with these great authors. It's some incredible. It's like the Paris program. There's some incredible opportunities out there. Yeah, um, you uh, again, kind of referencing your website. I saw um, on the about section. Uh, it lists at the bottom just some things that you enjoy doing, and one of them was simply like meeting up with your with your tribe of writers and travel writers. Um, how how have you added people to that tribe? Is it uh, like a combination of like experiences in these workshops, or yes. like how how have you kind of found your crew? Yeah. So interestingly, there's and I kind of call myself a travel writer, although I'm realizing I'm actually probably more of a memoir that, that happens to be focused on travel, but it really ends up being about myself. Um, but I started, you know, I was writing this blog in 2013 and I thought, you know, what do I, what do I want to do that can help me connect with other people who are traveling and writing about, you know, the places that they, they visit. Um, and I happened to, again, synchronicity. I mean, like there's no coincidence. We happened to be in the right space at the right time. I happened to move from San Francisco to Marin in, in Mill Valley. And I didn't know anybody in Mill Valley. I was like, what am I doing here? And there was a bookstore called the Book Passage in Puerto Madera. And every year they have, and they've done this for like 30 years, the um, travel writing and photography conference. And I thought, jackpot, I'm totally going to go to this. This is, this is right up my alley. Went to that and it was like church. Like mm. everything they said, I was like, absolutely yes. And the people were, they thought like I did. They loved to travel. They loved to write. I mean, it was like meeting family that you hadn't seen in a long time. It was really amazing. Um, and from that, I've gone to that for the last three years in a row. And from that, 
just started taking workshops that were happening at the um, at the bookstore, but also um, I ended up finding out about Rolf Potts's Paris program, and so I, this will be my third year next year of doing that, and um, uh, I just did another Paris workshop this past September with Don George and Catherine Cardo, and I mean, it's like I can't get enough. It's, it's really like eating it all up. And the more you go on these, the more you, you know, you're spending weeks at a time traveling with people. Can you imagine like when you travel with someone, it's like the, the community that's built over those four weeks when we're together in Paris. You really bond. And I feel like that uh, is, a, is a great way to keep the community. And for some reason, San Francisco and Northern California, specifically, uh, probably because of this, um, this travel writing conference um, has garnered an incredible community of people that are so supportive of each other rather than being kind of competitive writers, which I don't know anything about New York, but I've heard rumors that it's not necessarily like, you know, super, this is California, right? Rich, yeah. Not so huggy-feely. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, they're fantastic. I mean, just got another email, like, come over for drinks, come over, we're going to have another salon to talk about Michael's book, come over, we're going to, you know, and I think as writers, we're so solitary that people are craving community and, and talking about the work that we're doing and, and what it feels like to actually create. Um, so yeah, it's been fantastic. It's been a nice way of really... Uh, finding my people. Yeah. And, uh, and talking to you. My gosh, I feel like you're one of my people. <laughs> yeah, I uh, like uh, like you said this this past summer was uh, I mean, we were there for for 4 weeks in Paris and um, having in my experience of travel um, having uh, some sort of like secondary objective in a place um, beyond, like, I'm just gonna go, like, see what there is. Totally. Really helps you sink into the experience. Yes. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, like, how, you know, like, the... There was a pretty heavy class load, like, the first two weeks. Yeah. Um, second two weeks, a, a, a little less so, but um, throughout it all, just having to, you know, wake up at a certain time, like, take my walk to the school... Uh, go back later in the day like yeah. having that bit of structure yeah. I think like really improved not improved but um, it, it deepened my uh, I guess understanding of of the city yeah. in so far as like I came to understand it in any particular way um, that's what I love about these programs is that if you're a student there you're living there you're doing laundry you're going to the grocery store you're going to class I mean you're not you're not a tourist or even a traveler you're you're like a, a citizen of the community that is living day in day out and and doing the regular things and I feel like that's when you really get to know a space is by living it versus going to all of the museums and you know those are fantastic but um, you know, the, the neighborhood is also a bit off the beaten path, and so you get to know more of kind of a local scene versus where the tourists all hang out. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love that part of travel. I, again, that's why I think study abroad is so fantastic, because it gives you the structure and the depth of being in a space that is so much richer than just kind of surface, you know, seeing. Half the time, you don't even 
see people who live there when you're a tourist. You're seeing all the other tourists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just going to the you know the highlights. Yeah, like it's exactly. all highlights. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know. Um, that was the best part. Switching gears a little bit. Uh, <laughs> did you go to college in Florida? I I think I read. I did. Yeah. Um, but you're so from the West Coast. I'm a little bit of all over. Okay. So I'm I was uh, born in New York. You know, kind of raised in New Hampshire, traveled to Europe for a couple of years when I was really young, which I think is what made me kind of get the travel bug. Um, and then when I was in junior high school, uh, we moved to Florida. So I was in Florida, actually from high school, four years in high school, and then I stayed to go to University of Florida for, um, for college. And then... I was engaged to a guy at Stanford. I didn't know anybody in California. And so, actually, my dad lived in L.A. for a while. But you know, it wasn't like there was a big community of family out there. And I hadn't visited Northern California that much. Um, I was engaged to a guy at Stanford. And so, I moved out to um, Palo Alto. And you know, he didn't really love it. Graduated. And we didn't work out. He left. And I was like, this is awesome here. <laughs> I love it. I love San Francisco. I love the weather. I love the community. I got a, a great um, teaching career at De Anza College. And so, um, yeah, California to me feels the closest thing, like, or San Francisco feels the closest thing to home um, on par with Paris. <laughs> Third is probably London. So, yeah, I've kind of been all over. Yeah. What has your experience uh, teaching classes at De Anza been like? Well, I tell you, the thing that I love the most is that we have a campus abroad program. And so in that was part of my uh, interest in, in getting full-time work there was then I could start applying for these just plum gigs. I mean, at least I thought they were. And so in 2007, I taught uh, campus abroad in Paris, and it was just magical for an entire you know two months you're there with the students. And reading, and again having that structure, but also being able to see the city with that light. And then, um, and then we have these sabbaticals where I can travel to these places and write about them. And then I did another campus abroad program in 2017 in London. And again, I wrote about that actually with one of my uh, pieces that was published in the GOX uh, Wanderlust blog, and. Um, it was about being there with the students and seeing them light up and just having the kind of magic of what it is to travel and study and kind of have your eyes just see the world in a whole different way and see yourself in a different way when you're when you're traveling. Yeah. 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 Dance has been fantastic to me. They've given me so many great opportunities. So oftentimes, um, if I'm discussing travel with other uh, young people in particular simply because there's like a bit, uh, a bit more of a, a lack of financial resources than um, those with uh, like more established careers yeah. um, and people can be like really surprised at some of the travel that I've done whereas for me like you know having like I graduated high school five years ago now, or 2015, so yeah, co like, coming up on five years, I guess, this coming summer, wow. um, and, like, in that time, um, it, it's, although it's amazing, and I love travel, like, it's almost like it's nothing 
special, just in that, like, um, the, like, let's say the first long extended trip that I did, it seemed like this, because it, it was, at the time, such an unknown, um, there was, a, I guess, high stakes going into it, but actually, uh, before we started recording, I was telling you, like, even just this past summer, um, returning to Europe, like, it felt a lot more um, familiar to me, just in that, like, people are people wherever you go. And so I, I guess it's all to say, like, as I've gotten older, I'm, I've, I've come to realize that, like, there's nothing really scary about going new places. Right, like, right. Y- you know, like, yeah. Y- um, yeah. do you have any, uh, any words for, other, like, young people looking to find opportunities to travel? Um, yeah. Like, what, what kind of direction would you point them in? You know, um, I, maybe I'll just speak to that first idea about finances because I think travel sounds expensive, right? It sounds like it's a privilege and a luxury. It is a privilege, obviously. I mean, the fact that we are born in the United States and have a U.S. passport is, I mean, we're the luckiest people on the planet because we can go just about everywhere and a lot of people can't. And so, yeah. Um, and maybe also thinking about travel as not to somewhere international, but even to, you know, another part of town or another um, state or it's just somewhere that's getting out of that comfort zone and starting to see things differently. Obviously, it's more drastic when you go to a place that's speaking a whole new language. Hmm. But um, my, uh, my mom, when... I was two years old, uh, my parents got divorced, and my mom loved to travel, and she thought, I am going to um, be able to take care of my kids by living on alimony in a really inexpensive country, and so I'm going to go to Spain and take my three kids. She had two two two-year-olds and a seven-year-old and by herself. And this is in 1972. That's incredible. It is. She's incredible. And I think that's part of my, you know, fearlessness in traveling is she was in in 1972. I mean, there's no cell phone. There's no like, so she had to go a month in advance and figure out where we were going to live. and, And it's just incredible. So, and I remember we were there and she knows how to stretch a dollar better than anybody I have ever known. And mm. we've been able to travel, you know, on a, a single mother income for all my life. And she, you know, packs that jar of peanut butter and all we need to do is buy some bread and she's got three kids fed. And so there's just really clever ways that she's found to, to make it affordable. Um, I mean, it's not... It's not the Ritz Carlton traveling, but if anything, it feels more authentic traveling. And you're able to, even today, when we talk about some of our best experiences, the the ones that were, you know, we were in uh, Spain for Thanksgiving, either that or Greece. I can't remember which country because I was so young. But we made a turkey in the sink because we didn't have an oven. And so, God, thanks God, we didn't asphyxiate ourselves, right? Because she somehow created a fire in the sink. What? And put tin foil over it. That's crazy. I <laughs> But I mean, like, that's the kind of stuff, like, you just make it work. Um, yeah. So I think anyone can travel. Anybody can travel on... And there's so many interesting and clever ways to travel these days. There's pet sitters uh, where you can go and just stay in someone's house for free and take care of their dog or cat. There's house swaps. There's, I mean, obviously you need to have a house here, but um, 
there's couch surfing. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to, that youth hostels are really inexpensive. Um, you don't have to make it super, super um, high end. Um, but as far as like the, the trepidation about it, you know, I remember thinking I was more scared to travel from Florida to California and move when I didn't know anybody. I mean, I knew my fiance at the time, but I thought, what am I doing? I don't have a job. I don't know anyone there. Like that felt really scary to me. And I just had this moment where I thought, you know, I'm bringing me with me. And whatever I bring is going to attract the same experience wherever I go. I'm going to attract the same kinds of people. I mean, there's kind people everywhere on the planet. And if you are who you are, you know, you're going to garner the kinds of people around you um, that are everywhere. I mean, I feel like even the Paris program, somehow we get a great group of people that uh, all, you know, we don't know each other at the beginning, and then we realize, wow, we're all full of similar dreams and talents and interests, and yeah, I think there's way more similarities on the planet than we, we can see on the surface. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. How about you? Do you feel like there's a from somebody who is more of a card carrying. I feel like I've been traveling a little bit more comfortably as I've been more established in my career, but somebody who knows, because I remember when I saw you, you're like, oh yeah, I just like came from, did you see in Home Village, by the way, at Thich Nhat Hans uh, Monastery in the south of France? Where Tizay. were you? Tizay, that's what it was. Yeah. There's another great example. Yeah. Like, can you give some examples like that of how to, tell young people how to travel um, without fear of losing money or getting themselves in situations that are too foreign or too different from themselves? Yeah, well, I um, I think you listed uh, <clears throat> a few really great examples, like the pet sitting or, you know, youth hostels and these different things. <clears throat> um, I think sometimes it's, it's really uh, like a misunderstanding that people, you know, expect to be staying in the Ritz-Carlton, like you said, um, which is fine if you want, and if, if you could swing that, but, um, in, yeah, in, in my experience, um, as we've been kind of going back and forth on, like, the, the closer you can be to everyday life, like, the more you're going to sink into whatever area you're in, and... I, <laughs> the the money side of things for me over the past few years has been difficult at times purely because the credit cards exist uh. um, and it seems like there's more uh, money than there really is right. sometimes right. Um, I guess like and this even calls back to um, something that you were saying a while ago about uh, creativity and uh, just living a healthy life in order to facilitate um, to facilitate that. I, I think uh, even it's uh, just shopping in grocery stores, like picking up simple like whole foods right. goes a super long way. It's not that expensive. Yeah, and, and even in Paris, like 
like the month that we were there, I probably ate out like a handful of times. And I like going to the Mono Creek. I thought that was a ball. Yeah. And you get to see what everyone's eating. You get to know how to buy food and, you know, get through the checkout line. Like all those things that are just living in the space. Yeah. 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 And, you know, that's just as true for me here at home as well. Um, Right. Which is like you were saying, you know, you can you can just go to another city and then still travel. Like in a sense, even within your hometown, just yeah. like going about your day, yeah. like yeah. you know, you're uh, you're kind of a stranger in this world. Yeah. Like and and things are are always changing. Right. So that um, right. yeah, you know, there like nothing nothing stays stagnant for yeah. too long. Um, it's interesting though. You brought up the point of. Um, you know, the fear, not just of the money, but fear of getting out of your comfort zone. And, you know, for a lot of people, that just feels daunting. Um, and and obviously, like, I'm going to, you know, major metropolises that are, you know, they have just about everything that you need. And so, um, but there's something about traveling that really gets you to shed the the role that you play in kind of the superficial you like okay so I'm at home and I'm a teacher and you know I'm a partner and I'm um, you know and, and I go to this class every day or I do this walk or you know it's the same rut mm. and so I become the same experience that I see every day and so I was just reading this book this made me think of um, Joe Dispenza's Becoming Supernatural have you heard of this guy no he's kind of a scientist um, but philosopher talking about if we want to change our reality and change our experience we really need to shake up our everyday routines because the same mind that is brushing our teeth the same way every single day is not going to have any new thoughts or new ways of thinking and really the goal in our lives is to change our beliefs in order to change our lives Hmm. and so I just feel like travel is the way to do that you just like shed I mean you can become anybody when you go to another country like nobody knows who you are and if anything you become more of your authentic true self because you're not playing these roles that you're so you've been kind of you know your family expects you to play your friends expect you to play like the routines of your day so I feel like you know obviously there's so many benefits of travel but I've been thinking more about that that yeah there's something about shaking up your vision and perspective on the world that shakes up your actual experience the things that you attract to yourself because you're seeing the world differently and through new eyes in fresher a fresher way that really kind of helps um, you have an entirely new experience of the world yeah, there, there's a couple different directions that I want to take this. I guess first I'll I'll just say um, I've been reading up on uh, lifespan and anti-aging and mm. in that area lately, and it seems like what we have discovered is that your your body's um, stress response essentially like keeps you alive and thriving. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> which which really like proves the point that it, it is you know. Um, complacency that yes. that kills yeah, well, you like, you're literally time. dead if you're not changing yeah. I mean, if you're not evolving you i mean that's the whole yeah <laughs> interesting counterintuitive point is that safety is death <laughs> yeah so, and i guess i should probably couch that so there's that kind of theory about 
you know, comfort zone, stretch, and then panic. And we want to be in stretch, right? I mean, I think full long-term panic is bad. That's probably we don't want to be there. Yeah. But we, we don't want to be in comfort either. That's about as bad as panic because we're just in an absolute rut. And that is probably more soul-killing than anything. And so if we have some, you know, the creative spark here is like if we have some kind of like ignition that kind of jumps us out of uh, this uh, complacency in this role, I think that's a way to really kind of help us to be more creative, um, not only in what we kind of produce, but in our in the creation of who we're going to be next. I think that's the fun part about, you know, a musician or a writer is that you're creating the world as you're creating the piece and you're creating yourself. And so, mm. yeah, there's all different ways to think of... Um, travel is kind of giving you these opportunities that are bigger than just, you know, bucket list, I've checked this off. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Because, um, yeah, from the from the physical perspective, it's, you know, exercise, stressing your body, or right. fasting, or cold exposure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, what doesn't kill you makes you right. stronger. Right, So far, And then, like, from the mental perspective... Yeah, I, I suppose it would be like fresh situations or even just new ways of looking at the the mundane. Yeah. Um, because you know you said like if uh, the same you that like falls into this routine and, like brushes their teeth and they say like you've got to brush your teeth let's say but like you know like maybe you do it with the opposite hand or exactly. like you could be a little more mindful yeah. about even the small yeah. things like right. that. Right. Exactly. Um, and then uh, what was the other thing that I was gonna say? Um, Oh, I was going to say uh, the other direction that I wanted to take your earlier point is that then there seems like a uh, a pretty fine balance to strike between variation and routine because one thing that I have encountered in you know having some of these conversations is that one of the the keys to success for creative people is finding routine and like day in day out you have to keep working on your practice that's a good point so um damn it <laughs> yeah like we just I, disproved our theory well that's not necessarily true. um it, it there just has to be like certain i don't know like what what do you have any ideas like i guess it's the middle way right yeah. it's the way is the middle and so it has to be a balance right i mean we're we're not we're not a completely, you know, uh, mutually exclusive dual world where it's either one or the other, this black and white thinking. And so, so I think there's a certain amount and maybe that's the stretch is that we have some parts of our lives that help to create, um, a, a, a scaffolding so that we can actually push ourselves in other areas. I think if you have every single area like up in the air without any grounding, that's a little disorienting. I don't know if I'm going to be that creative if I'm just worried about eating, right? Yeah. So, or I'm just worried about kind of survival. So I think there's a way to at least, um, and maybe that's part of it, you know, it's kind of that kind of old adage about staying grounded and rooted, but also connecting to this kind of bigger power than ourselves that seems otherworldly and not of the earth, right? And so we want to be straddling that middle world. Yeah. You know, I'll be totally honest. I'm a big meditator. There's a, um, a, a great 
um, group called Solstice in, in Sausalito that's a meditation and, and uh, yoga studio. And there was one meditation I remember yeah. being in, and I thought, I, I just had this image of myself being a dolphin. And, you know, I'm not a huge like, dolphin lover or anything, or like fan. But I remember thinking it was so fun. And what I was doing was I was diving deep in the water, and then I would jump out of the water in the air, and I would dive deep, and then I would jump out. And I remember thinking, that's how you do life, is that you... You straddle these worlds. You straddle being on the earth and being really grounded, and then you jump high, and then and you can kind of be in this otherworldly, if you want to call it, kind of a spiritual or, or um, you know, kind of off the ground uh, uh, experience, and then you dive back down again. But it's and you're playing and having fun doing it versus feeling like it's work. Yeah. So it was an interesting realization that. If we can kind of balance, and I guess balance everything in our lives, um, then you have that ability. And I think as artists, too, like we're reaching for something, if you want to call it kind of this collective unconscious or this mind or this source or intuitive space, we're reaching for that and we're bringing it to the ground and bringing it into a physical, tangible kind of third world experience. Or, uh, sorry, third dimension experience. <laughs> Um, then I think that's the that's the nature of an artist or a poet that can kind of be that, um, that kind of almost metaphysical guide for the rest of the world. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I I need to get back into meditation. Um, I, I for for a I period of books time. downloaded meditations. It's fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, the flow experience. You don't have to like really work for it too much yeah and i i think it's something that um you you can establish a certain baseline again like it's a i i think that you know having having routine but being able to stretch is like having that baseline like having a few things solidified like different practices while continuing to diversify your experiences yeah but for a while there i yeah i was uh doing it daily and then um you know, similar to, to what I was telling you, I, I believe before we started recording about my time since Paris this fall, um, in that like I came back and got to working right away, but then you know the money making mode kind of quickly overrode the like artistic mode right. that I had right. grown this summer, and then you know after a few weeks I was like, wait, like time out, I gotta like yeah, but it's it's all about that balance, like kind of yeah, uh, yeah. realign. Right. Um, but meditation has sort of been the same in that, like, all right, like, I, you know, a while ago, like, skip one day there, and then, like, as soon as you do that, as soon as you fall out of the, the habit, it gets easier just to, like, push, put it off and right. put it off and put it off. Right, right. Um, but it, it, seem, yeah, it seems pretty apparent that... Uh, That's funny. I'm almost having an opposite experience, which is kind of unusual and just a complete luxury. I mean, I'm on sabbatical right now, and so I'm not going in and teaching every day and kind of grounded in the structure of of classes and making money. And I mean, that is my income. Um, I have no schedule. I write. I um, completely to my own devices. And honestly, I feel, I mean, it's amazing, but I feel slightly untethered to the planet (laughs) like I I'm actually ready in January to go back and have a little bit more structure I think that's the thing it's the balance I don't want structure to take over so that the creativity is just 
shot and I don't have any flexibility and kind of this this kind of control of my time um, but I think a certain amount of structure is actually really helpful and you know I remember even one of our uh, writing instructors at the Paris program talked about constraints as being really helpful as a writer like give yourself constraints because otherwise it is so you can you can do anything you can write anything and so if you say I'm going to write an alphabet poem and every first line has to begin with a letter of the alphabet if you give yourself at least some kind of then then you have the freedom to be able to create from that you know tethering to the world yeah yeah e- even in that if you start with a constraint you can then break outside of it but then you, at least you need you need a launching off point. And it's an yeah. anchor point, too. Yeah. I feel like that's why I call myself a travel writer, and I've been doing you know, tr- doing these literary tours as an anchor. I'm saying, okay, I'm researching the authors, I'm going to these places, and then from there, I can just, because I have a nice, like, you know, rootedness to the earth, I can kind of spin off into all these different directions that I probably... Uh, it would just be all over the map if I didn't have anything that was really kind of organized around a certain topic or a focus. Yeah. Yeah. Are you working on anything right now for in terms of writing? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing the um, literary tour of Paris. So I researched all last summer and in September. And, you know, I've been to Paris so many times. Uh, but I specifically focused on um, some travel writing pieces. Um, I did the Victor Hugo piece. I did a... Um, uh, a Shakespeare and Company cafe piece. I did uh, Honoré de Balzac. I did Hemingway. Um, right now, I'm working on literary cafes, and uh, and then I start uh, classes back in January. So I'm gonna probably be on a hiatus from yeah. doing any writing for a while, as I'm encouraging my students to do the writing instead. And then next summer. I'll go back to the Paris writing workshop and hopefully get back into it again. Cool. So it's a little bit, I've looked at my year lately and said, okay, if I was going to kind of structure my year, like when can I have balance for both so I'm not doing all of one or all of the other. And you're uh, taking charge of the fellows program this year, aren't you? I am. Yeah. So, yeah, that's so exciting because I have to admit, um, I love doing campus abroad I mean that was my favorite favorite thing and I love the structure and supporting the students and uh, Lauren Klein who has been the senior program fellow for the last nine years I don't know you guys are going to have to help me this is going to be a team effort because I don't know how I'm going to fill her shoes and she speaks fluent French um, she's retiring and so they asked me to do it and so I was just you know how you have just a full body yes reaction to things at first <laughs> After I said yes, I was like, oh, God, this is going to be a lot of work during the uh, pre-time of Paris when I'm teaching a lot of classes. Um, But it just felt such like an exciting opportunity to to go again. And and again, like it just if I could do that for the rest of my life, like I would do campus abroad. I feel like that's when I come most alive. I feel like that's when I see other people come most alive and. One of my favorite quotes is by Howard Thurman. You might have heard of this. It's pretty famous. The, the idea that um, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come to life because what the world needs is people who come to life. And I feel like as much as I think, oh, I'm a teacher, I'm a supporter, I'm going to give and be of service to the world, the best service I can do to the world 
is to just be alive myself. And I feel like Paris does that for me. Going there, talking about literature, being with other students who are writing, I, there's nothing better. It's just my absolute happy place. I like it. <laughs> well, hey, we've been recording for a while, so we can uh, we can leave it here, but we should do this again sometime. It was, it was absolutely. I, I love uh, having these conversations, and uh, it's 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 stimulating um, and and good to you know be interacting with with people in the in the same tribe. Right. So thank you for joining me, and thank you. Yeah, I look forward to the next time. See you in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, please visit chancebychance.com, and thank you for listening.